0: Welcome to an inspirational message from Creekwood Church. We hope that you have an encounter with God and discover practical ways to help you live a life of purpose. Good morning, Creekwood. How's it going? We're doing good? Man, I'm so glad that you're here today. I'm really glad to be sharing today. Um, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, my name is Sarah Baker, and I am the young adults and missions pastor here. Um, I also lead worship here on the weekend sometimes, so um, I'm usually the one who talks way too long in between songs. know what I'm talking about? That's me. Um, and so I really think Pastor Steven was just like, I'm going to give you 35 minutes. I'm going to give you the whole service. And so you don't even know what you're in for today. Um, but I'm excited. Uh, we're right in the middle of a series called You've Got What It Takes, and um, it's been amazing. The past two weeks have been so good, and I encourage you, if you haven't listened to them, go online and listen to him. Um, But today, if you're taking notes, um, I'm going to be talking about you've got what it takes to experience the presence of God. You've got what it takes to experience the presence of God. And I do hope you take notes, not because there's things that I want you to tweet, I don't care, Um, but I know this, um, that if you don't need this truth today, you might need it next week or you might need it a month from now. You know what I mean? And you'll have it right there on your notes app on your phone. And it's a win win because I won't think you're talking, you know, texting your neighbor about lunch plans. I'll think you're taking notes. So it's really good for both of us. Um, But I'm excited because uh, today I'm going to be talking about worship. And I really believe that this is one of God's favorite things. I truly believe that. And um, all week I was like trying to look for a scripture and I couldn't exactly find one that says it exactly like that. But I promise we're going to look at scripture um, that talk all about God's love and desire for worship. Um, Because I believe it's one of his favorite things. And how many of you have uh, ever been in a relationship where you didn't exactly love all of the same things? I'm talking about. Probably every single person in here has experienced that. Whether the context is a friendship, a relationship, you've been in relationship with someone that you didn't love all of the same things. Right? And it's like this process of discovery, like trying to figure out what each other loves and right, your likes and your dislikes and kind of what your favorite things are. And um, I know about that process of discovery. Um, with my first boyfriend, I'll never forget the day Never forget it. When I found out that he was obsessed with hockey. We have any hockey fans in here? A few? I'm convinced none of y'all are from Texas. Like, y'all can't possibly be from the state if you love hockey. But I feel like it was a cruel joke almost of God. You know what I mean? Like, I thought it was humorous of him because... Like, he could have picked someone who loved any other worthwhile, normal sport. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) But he picked hockey, and I don't know why, because I don't know anything about it, but I felt like I needed to do this girlfriend duty. You know what I mean? Like, when you care about someone, you do your best to care about what they care about. Do your best is the key word in the sentence. But, so I would go to these games and freeze my butt off in these ranks, Guys, I'm telling you, it's freezing in there. And for whatever reason, adult leagues start at like 1030 at night. Like I'm sacrificing sleep. This is my commitment level. You know, see what I'm working with? But when you love someone, when you care about someone, you, you do your best to care about what they love and what they care about. I actually think there's probably a lot of people um, in here today, and maybe you've grown up in church, maybe you've been in and out of church, and you've probably known about God your whole life, but you might not know about God's favorite things, right? And when we don't know about his favorite things, we miss out on these opportunities to really connect with him in meaningful ways. And So I want to talk about one of God's favorite things. And I really do believe that it's worship, right? And we're going to talk about our part to play in it because he created all of us to do it, right? Each and every single one of us. Psalms 66.4 says this. It says, all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name, everyone, all the earth, right? That means that worship isn't just 20 minutes before a speaker speaks, um, worship is actually way more than that, right? If we read this scripture again, it says all the earth worships and sings praises to you. Not all the earth worships by singing praises, right? That means worship is far more than lyric and song and melody. It's way more than music. Um, but worship far extends that kind of reach. And if we had more time, I'm telling you, we could make a series out of this. But I want to be clear that when I talk about worship tonight, or today, rather, I am actually talking about these contexts when we're together, right? These times where we get to gather together corporately, or whether worship time is in your car, or maybe you um, worship God in the shower, or when you're folding laundry at home. I don't know what the context looks like to you, um, but I'm talking about these corporate times of worship together. Right, and God has created all of us to do it. And I want you to know this and be very clear on this. Worship is not just a Christian thing. Worship's a human thing. It's not just a Christian thing. It's not just designed for the church people. Worship is a human thing. Paul Tripp says this. He says, You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. And whether you are religious or not, you're worshiping something. It could be that great job that you're hoping for. It could be um, your family. Um, It could be money, right? It could be an object. It could be God. But regardless, you are worshiping something, right? Worship's not just a Christian thing. It's a human thing. And so I want to give you just kind of a high-level definition of worship. And we're going to break it down here a little bit later. But if I were to give you the definition of worship, a simple one, it would be this. Worship is seeing the worth and value in something or someone and responding to it. Worship is seeing the worth and the value in something or someone and responding to it, right? We were made to do this. We were designed and wired to do this. And it's all throughout scripture. It's even in the first of the 10 commandments, right? The first commandment is thou shall have no other God before me, right? You should put no other God before me, not beside you, not behind you, not alongside you. There should be no other room for anybody, right? But worship to God and God alone, Right, And I think it's first because it's our response to God and it's the foundation of everything. When God is truly the only one we worship, every other part of our life falls into rightful place. And I'll ask you today, do you know why God desires your worship? Do you know why he desires it? Why he asks for it? Do you know why? Like your worship, like specifically you. Why he desires for you to lift up your voice. Worship is the only thing that nobody else can offer him on your behalf. Worship is the only thing nobody else can do for you. Like a lot of people um, can give money for you, right, on your behalf. A lot of people um, can can show up for you if you can't make something, they can kind of fill in the gap and fill in your place. But Nobody can worship for you. Nobody can lift up their voice on your behalf to worship a God who's worthy of our praise. Nobody can do that, right? This is why God desires our worship. And as much as he desires it, right, as much as God longs for it, there is an enemy who seeks to steal it, right? There is actually a war going on for your worship, Right there's a war going on for your worship your your time and your attention and your affection right i would say that we're like the busiest people ever can i get an amen right i mean have you ever felt like everything is demanding all of me all of the time like do you ever feel that way i feel like moms can kind of feel that way a lot of time from their kids right everyone seems to be pulling at me vying for my attention my affection my time Right? There's a war going on for our worship. And that's why we can come in here at a Saturday night service or Sunday morning service. Right? That's why we can come in here and even in the presence of God, even in the presence of a God who we know is worthy of our worship, we can feel like we have nothing left to give. Right, we can walk into these doors feeling like we have nothing else to offer, and maybe we feel dry and disconnected, wondering if God even hears what we're saying. But on those days that you experience those feelings, and you will, probably again and again, because we're human. Right? But on those days, I want to remind you of truth. Right? Because the truth of God sets us free. And here's this truth. It's foundational for us today. Every other created thing that we worship outside of Christ will not satisfy. Every other created thing that we worship outside of Christ will not satisfy. And we see it over and over again in Scripture. Jeremiah talks about it in chapter 2, verse 13. He says this, He says, we've committed this compound sin, right? He says, for my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves uh, cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. They have moved from the fountain of living water, right? God, the guy who sustains us, who created us. And instead, they've been trying to pour into and fill crack cisterns that just leak out and end up dry. And the enemy here's what's interesting, and here's what's really troubling and really dangerous it's that the enemy knows that no other created thing that we worship is going to satisfy. The enemy knows that nothing else on this earth could ever satisfy you like God can. And that is why we have this war for worship, and we see it in scripture over and over again. Right? We see it with, with Lucifer or Satan or the enemy or the devil or right? whatever we call him. But in this context, he's, he's Lucifer, he's his angel, he's leading worship in heaven. Right? He's the one, like, conducting this whole thing. And, and Scripture says that his heart was filled with pride and eventually worship that he was helping conduct and orchestrate that was going to God. He decided, I actually want this to go to myself. Right? And, it's, and Scripture says that um, Lucifer and his angels fell from heaven like lightning. Right? There's this incredible war going on for your worship. How about when um, the birth of Jesus happened, right? And the Magi, right? These guys were wanting to come and, and worship him. They wanted to come and, and respect him. They've heard about him like this prophecy, like this foretold baby that was going to come, this Messiah, right? So they go to Herod and they say, where is this baby at? Like, I want to I wanna worship him. Where's he at? And, and Herod so wanted to stop worship that he actually created a system where every male baby, every male infant in Bethlehem would be killed just in efforts to stop worship, just in efforts to stop worship being given to God alone. Right? There is a war going on for our worship. And it's the reason why the enemy would love for you to come in here And walk through these doors feeling dry and disconnected and preoccupied with yourself or anything else but God. Right? So how do we win this war of worship? I believe you have what it takes. I really do. And I believe the first thing that we need to do is ascribe ultimate worth to God. This is crucial in worship, right? We have to ascribe ultimate worth to God, right? Preeminence, not just, yeah, he's a good guy. No, he is the best. He is the definition of good. Ultimate worth to God. And I'm telling you, this is happening right now in heaven, and it will for the rest of eternity, right? So if you don't like worship, I'm telling you, you're gonna not love heaven that much because it's happening right now. It's happening Throughout all of eternity, right? We see this in Revelation 5. It's kind of this picture of heaven that we get. It says, Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Speaking of Jesus dying on the cross, this Lamb who was slain. To receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. This is ascribing ultimate worth. This is giving ultimate worth and value to God, right? Declaring Him as our ultimate worth and treasure, right? So I want to break down the definition. Of worship, right? Anything that we see value in, right? And we respond to it, whether it's something or someone, right? We just respond to that. I want to break that down a little bit more and look at the Psalms and how we can compare that. Worship, I would say, if we are going to break this description down, is ascribing ultimate worth and value to God in a way that energizes and engages your entire being. Worship is describing ultimate worth and value to God in a way that energizes and engages your entire being because you were created to engage with God with your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? He designed you that way. Worship was not created and designed to be the 17 minutes before the speaker speaks where we come in here and we hold our coffee cup and we read words on a screen. No, worship was created to engage our entire being. It was created to energize us. Right? We've been called to worship God with our mind, our will, and our emotions because worship is just a way that we love him. Right, And the Bible says that we are to love God with all of our mind, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. Right? So let's look at Psalm 95, and it talks about how we are to worship God with our emotions. And in verse 1, it says, Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing of pra- psalms of praises to Him. How many of you see emotion in that text? Come and let us sing. Right there is emotion in that text, and maybe you're like, I'm not trying to get emotional with God, though. Right? Maybe even in counseling, that's that trigger word for you. Amen for counseling. You know what I mean? Maybe it's emotions, and you're just like, maybe you grew up in a church that was completely emotional. And you wanted nothing to do with that because that seemed like the most disingenuous, right? It didn't seem authentic. It didn't seem real. And so you've swung to the opposite side, right? Emotion is no longer a part of your walk with Christ at all. But I want to tell you today that God designed you, formed you, fashioned you in your mother's womb with emotion. And he did it so your emotions could bring praise to him. Right, so they could offer up love and praise to him because he designed us that way. He designed us as emotional beings. How many of you like to go to concerts? Anybody like to go to concerts in here? It's like my favorite form of live entertainment. I'm telling you, it's the best. Now I want to tell you about One of my favorite concerts to go to, um, and it's a Beyonce concert. Has anybody ever gone to a Beyonce concert? Anybody? Yes! There's like one person, two, my brother, besides me. It's so great. And it it kind of pains me that nobody else has experienced this, like, glory that there is at a Beyonce concert. But you can just picture whatever kind of concert you want in your head that's fine, of your favorite artist. But I want to tell you about a Beyonce concert. Because I've never experienced anything like it. It is electric, the environment. And what's amazing is that no matter where you're sitting, whether you're in the nosebleeds or whether you're on the floor, everybody's on their feet. Everybody is singing every word to every single song at the top of their lungs i'm talking with all that is within them it is like their ex is right in front of them you know what i'm talking about like the one who has done them dirty and they're like if you like it you should have put a ring on it but you didn't you know what i mean like i'm telling you it is like intense it's amazing because we're wired right we're made with emotion And maybe the guys can't understand that. So how about the NBA championship? Anybody watch the game Friday night? Watch the Cavs get demolished? Or the Warriors get demolished? I'm sorry, LeBron. That's my bad. (laughs) But I'm telling you, there isn't a single person in that arena who is sitting down with their arms crossed just waiting for that game to go by. Was there a single person in there? But for whatever reason, we can come in here on a weekend and, and standing and being engaged and worshiping God with our emotions seems like the most obscure, crazy thing ever. Right? Doing this, I'm not, no. You're asking too much of this, right? You're asking too much of me. And I, I, I want to clarify, this isn't legalism. This isn't tradition. This, raising your hands, that's surrender. That's all that is. Right? That's all that is. And and for whatever reason, that feels really crazy, right? That feels really out of our box and really uncomfortable. When in all actuality of all places, it should feel the most comfortable. Of all places, right? When we're worshiping a God who picked us up in the thick of our mess, right? Cleaned us up and made us new again. This guy is the one that we're supposed to be worshiping with all that we are. It should feel the most comfortable to engage with God and worship. With our entire being, it should be the most comfortable. It should be the best place to do that. Right? We see that we're supposed to worship God with our emotions. Right? And as we continue in, this, uh, in these verses, right, verse 6, we'll see that we're to worship God with our will. Verse 6, it says this. It says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we notice this language of submission that David's talking about. Let us kneel, let us bow down. Like he's choosing to do this for he is our God, right? He's choosing to do this. And notice he doesn't wait, doesn't say anything about him, wait until his favorite song comes on. I know none of y'all do that. Doesn't say anything about him, wait until that favorite worship leader who sings that favorite song and like, yeah, I can, now I can worship. This is my moment, this is my time. No, it's because we're to worship God with our will because he is God, Right, come let us kneel, let us bow down for he is our God, we can worship him with our will. And as we continue, we see that we can worship God with our mind. The rest of verse six, it says, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, we are the people he watches over. We are the flock under his care. And it's as, if, it's as if David is like doing this heart inventory and he's reminding himself of who he is in Christ. He's reminding himself of the kind of father that he has in him. Oh yeah, you're, you're the guy who actually takes care of me. Right? It's in the place of worship that, that, we, um, that we remind ourselves that we're actually not the ones in control and that he is. Right? We even sung it today. Right, God, you are good. And we remind ourselves that we're actually not the ones who are good, and He is the one who is good. Right, we can worship God with our mind. We can remind ourselves of what He has done for us and who we are because of what He's done for us. We're the flock under His care, right? He's our good shepherd. This is the God that we get to worship. Right? And we see that we are to worship God with our mind, our will, and our emotions. Worship is supposed to activate our entire being. It's not just supposed to be a blasé 20 minutes before a speaker speaks. Right? But how do we worship God with our mind, our will, and our emotions? And I would suggest we do this. Number two, that we awaken the wonder within. We awaken the wonder within. David did this really well. And I talk about this a lot in worship and his prayer to God. And he said, God, would you remind me, God, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God, remind me of that day that you picked me up and that you changed my life forever. Remind me then. Right? Awaken the wonder within my heart again that when I was an enemy of yours, you came and ran after me. Right, that's how we awaken the wonder within our hearts. A.W. Tozer says this, he says, what comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes to your mind when you think about God is one of the most important things about you because it is foundational, right? It is the foundation that everything else is built upon. I believe that the knowledge of Christ is the foundation that wonder is built on the knowledge of Christ and who he is. That's why when we ask you to go to essentials class, we're not trying to get numbers for classes. We want you to know the knowledge of God so you can have wonder in your heart again. That's why. That's why we want you to go to a class where you can learn to study the scripture so you can know about him and you can ascribe ultimate worth and value to God. You can awaken the wonder in your heart. That's exactly what we need to do. And I, I heard a story about this gay, guy named Brian, and Brian was a drummer, and he was trying to um, save some money, so he thought that he would uh, sell some of his gear. And so he took um, some of his drums to a music shop, and uh, he just wanted to get them basically evaluated and kind of appraised to see how much he could actually sell them for. So he, uh, he takes them in, and, and the guy who's um, evaluating it um, you know, he puts his glasses on and he's just getting down and he's like, is this birch? Is this maple? Like, what is this? I don't know what drums are made of, but I would, I'm thinking. And so he's, he's trying to dissect this, but he, his countenance changes all of a sudden. And he's like, Brian, where did you get this? Brian's like, I got it from like an old instructor I've had. I've, I've been playing it for years and I actually hate to get rid of it. He's like, Brian, do you even realize what you have on your hands? It's like, no, that's why I'm here, you know? And he's like, Brian, you have a 1940s Gretsch kick drum that is worth more than everything in this shop combined. Brian's like, I've been kicking the crap out of this drum for years, and you're telling me that it's worth more than everything in this shop combined? Right? Because Brian had no idea of the value of what he had. Right, Brian wasn't appropriating the correct value of what he had. He had no idea. And I think a lot of us are the same way. We don't live in accordance to the value of what we had. And we can walk along believing in Jesus and going to church and and checking it off our list. But do we really know? Do we really know? Do we really know the worth of what we have and who we have in our hearts? Because I'm telling you, when you realize that, like the psalmist did, like David said, like we've been reading in scripture, when you realize that, I'm telling you, you can't not respond to God in worship. It can't not engage your entire being. It can't not affect your mind, your will, and your emotions when you realize the kind of God that you serve. God will awaken the wonder within to who this God is. N.T. Wright says this. He says, the closer you get to truth, the clearer becomes the beauty and the more you will find worship welling up within you. That's why theology, that's why the knowledge of God and worship belong together. But so often we lose this more of worship because we're happy to stay put, right? We're happy to just be settled with what we've experienced, Right? And that's why we can, can walk in here on a Sunday morning and, you know, like, I'll do this. I'll clap. You know, this is my land. This is what I'm saying today. Right? It's what I've always done. And I'll stand there and I'll, I'll drink my cup of coffee. And, and listen to me. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but I'm telling you there's more to God than that. There is far more to him than that. There's more to worship than just waiting 20 minutes, right? I'm going to just like ride this thing out and wait for Pastor Stephen to get up here. There's more of you to experience in the presence of God. And I really, truly believe that you have what it takes to experience the presence of God. I believe that with all of my heart. You have what it takes to experience the presence of God if you have God living on the inside of you. You have what it takes to experience the presence of God in spite of anything that you've done, any mistake that you've made, any sin that you've made. I don't care what your history, your past looks like. Or I don't even care what your today looks like because that scripture we read in Psalm 95, come let us sing. You know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say come when you've washed up. Come when you've figured everything out. Come when you're looking perfect. Come on your best day. It simply says come. Let us sing. I'm telling you, you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes to experience the presence of God because God wants to give more. Number three, we need to access the God who gives more right? Ephesians 3.20 says this, it says, now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. If that's not a definition for more, I don't know what is. Exceedingly abundantly, right? We have this exceedingly abundant God and we have access to him. But the truth is you can have as much of God as you want, You can experience as much of God as you want. And if you want little, you're gonna experience little. But we have a God who wants to give more. We have an exceedingly abundant God who desires to give us more. And I'm telling you, I know a lot about not realizing that I have more than I actually thought I did. I was leading worship at a camp um, a few years ago and um, we were checking into this camp, and, and they were kind of like assigning us our room. And uh, so they gave us our keys. And the woman who was checking us in, it was really interesting, I thought, at the time. because She was like, you're going to love this room. It's so amazing. And I was like, Cool. It's great. I wasn't expecting that, but it's awesome. And she kept going on. No, 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 you're going to love this room. It's amazing. Like, it's going to be so cool. She's going to just, like, pour out at these sessions and come back and have this awesome place to rest. And I was like, awesome. This is so great. So we go back to the room, and we unlock the door, and we walk in. And have you ever experienced something where, like, somebody told you about something and it didn't really, like, live up to those expectations. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Where it just felt really anticlimactic at the end. And so we walk into this room, and I was like, okay, yeah. There's a bed. That's, this is great, you know? There's a shower. This is, like, the necessities. It's it, it's awesome. This is fine. So we go, and we lead, you know, worships, and we do our sessions. And it was so crazy because people were like, how's your room? And I'm like... It's amazing. And I'm worried about what your room looks like because apparently (laughs) mine's the best room at this whole place. And so literally, I'm telling you, it started to weird me out after a while because they were just like, it's amazing, isn't it? like sure it is and so the last day of camp um but everybody's leaving the next morning and so the director of the camp came to our our room he wanted to kind of debrief on what like the next day was going to look like and so um he you know he knocks and and we let him in and as soon as he walks to the door he's like what are y'all doing in here I was like this is where they told us to go this is where they signed us you came here because you obviously thought we were staying here too and um he was like, Yeah, but have y'all opened that door yet? And I feel frustrated every time I retell this story because we didn't open that door because I thought it was a coat closet and I wasn't trying to hang my stuff up because I wasn't there that long. But he's like, No, you need to open that door. And so I go open the door, and you guys, I swear to God. We're in church. I can do that. It's fine. I swear it was the most beautiful room I've ever seen. Like it was huge. It was immaculate. It was, it was incredible. It had two huge beds and I had a fridge and a mini bar and a desk and a couch. And it was like the best place I'd ever seen. And I had access to that the whole time. I had access to that, but I was staying in this like little cubicle. this was like four by four of a room when I actually had access to all of that. And I really believe that what's true of this story is true of all of us in this place. Because I'm telling you, if we only understood the access that we have, if we only understood that we don't have to be comfortable in this little place of worship, that this place that's really comfortable, right? This is all we've known, right? I'm not going to lift my hands. I'm not going to kneel. But, but I'm telling you, there's more over here. Right? There's more. There's greater access over here. And I'm telling you, Jesus did not die a sinner's death just so you could have this little room over here. He flung wide open the door for you to experience more of God in worship. That's what he did. I'm telling you, there is more for us. And I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to encourage you and tell you there's more for you in worship. There's more for you, and I want Creekwood Church to be known for a church that worships God in spirit and in truth. There's a scripture that says that God looks to and fro throughout all the earth looking for hearts that are his. And I want him to look down and see hearts that are madly in love with worshiping this God right here in this church. That's what I believe for us. That's what I want for us. It's because of the finished work of the cross of Christ that you and I have unlimited access to all that he is. Hebrews four sixteen puts it this way. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. This is what you and I get to do. We get to come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. You and I have access to the more of God. And I want our worship team to come down here and maybe you felt like you got shortchanged in worship earlier. We're gonna do some more of that, right? We're gonna worship. We're gonna respond to this message, right? We're gonna respond and we're going to ascribe ultimate worth and value to God because he is worthy, right? He's worthy of it. He's worthy of our worship in song and in deed and he is worthy of our entire life. We have to be aware that there is a war going on for our worship. And I truly believe that we need to ascribe him ultimate worth, right? We need to awaken the wonder within. And we need to access a God who gives more. And I am telling you, the enemy is terrified of you getting this. I believe it. The enemy is terrified of you becoming the person God wants to shape you to be in the place of worship. I believe that the enemy is terrified of the truth that will set you free as you sing and declare it in worship. I believe that the enemy is terrified of the name of Jesus that is on your mouth as you sing because he knows that he has no power or authority over it. I believe the enemy is terrified of you getting this because friends, worship is more than just words on a screen. far more than that. Worship has the ability to transform our mind, our will, and our emotions, and it can realign our hearts with the goodness of God. It can remind us of who you and I are in Christ. This is why there's a war for your worship. The enemy would love for you to come in here dry and disconnected and preoccupied with yourself above all else. And this is why I'd love for you to stay in your comfort zone stay over here when you've been given such great access to God and the more that he wants to give you because of the finished work of the cross so this morning would you stand with me and I want us to sing this last song with all of our heart all the emotion in us because we believe in the truth of these words And I want us to sing these songs, right, with all that is within us because we believe in a God who is with us and inhabits the praises of his people. So, God, today we lift up your name, God. We exalt you above anyone else. Above anything else, God, we ascribe ultimate worth to you. God, and I thank you that as we lift up our voices, God, here you are in the midst of us, in the midst of us, God. And, and in your presence is the power to, to set people free. It's, it's the power to renew minds and hearts. It's the power to, to heal and to transform. It's the power to shape us into the image of your son. So God, I pray that as we Lift up our voices to you. God, as we lift up our eyes to you, God, I pray that you would do what only you could do in this place. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more messages and information about Creekwood Church, visit us at creekwoodchurch.com.